You guys alive, awake, ready to be here today? That's good. I got three people. That's all I need. Well, listen, my name is Russell. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, I am the youth pastor here. And shameless plug, if you're a student or a parent of a student and you've yet to come and see what we got going on on Wednesday nights, I want to invite you to come hang out with us. We have a lot of fun. We, we get into the Word of God. We got small groups. We got hangout time. It's a blast. There's always things going on. And especially if you're a parent, you've just been wondering, like, I don't, what really goes on? You are welcome to come sit in. We invite you to come hang out one night. That'd be fine with me. I wouldn't be offended. Your kid might be like, mom, dad, get out of here. But I'd be like, they're fine. I said they could come. So you have my permission. You can come hang out. It's going to be amazing. Well, as Shannon said, we are jumping right back into this series. And it's really um, the theme for the full year. Faith and in parentheses full. What does it look like to be full of faith? And I thought, I'm a youth pastor. So let's do an illustration that we would do on a Wednesday night. So I have asked my uh, handy-dandy students to help me out this morning. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this blindfold on. You guys like my blindfold? This is amazing. I got it from Alicia. I'm going to put this blindfold on. Now, (laughs) what I'm going to do is I'm going to have one of them direct me through this path. I've got to stay in the path. I can't go out of the path and I can't fall off the stage. Two things. Don't let me roll and break my ankle. Don't let me fall off the stage. All right. Now here's the key. They're all going to be giving me instructions, but only one is going to be giving me the right instructions. And they have not told me who that is. I'm putting my life in your hands. All right. All right. This is amazing. I can't see anything. Okay. You guys ready? All right. Talk to me. Where am I going? I already know I'm not going left, so I'm not believing you. All right. Go right. Okay. Okay. Nope. 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 Straight. Straight. I'm listening to straight. Left. Left. You guys, when you're turned around, left is the other way. Okay. Hold on. Okay. I'm telling you what. Put up your L's. You'll get it. Straight. Straight. Oh. Left. Left. Okay. No. The other way. Okay. Okay. I'm, how am I doing? Am I getting there? Am I getting there? Go sit down. I'm tired of this. This is ridiculous. I'm about to roll my ankle three times. Thank you guys so much. Give it up for them. Thank you guys for helping me out this morning. How often in our life does it feel like we're doing just what I did? We know there's a path, right? We know there's a place we're supposed to be going. In fact, we might have seen the path at one point. But somewhere along the journey, it feels like we're blindfolded. Or maybe it's like we're driving in a wide-out blizzard. We can't really see what's in front of us. And now we've got all of these voices giving us direction, telling us, pushing us, pulling us to and fro. Where are we supposed to go? And we've got great voices. Voices of parents telling us what they think we should do. Grandparents, brothers, sisters, friends. We've got teachers, coworkers, bosses. We've got pastors that are pouring into us and, and giving us direction in our life. And then we have some, you know, I would say mediocre voices, okay voices. We've got the media. We've got the news. We've got the radio. We've got all of these celebrities, just people kind of pulling us. And if we're not careful, what it can feel like is we're walking through life blindfolded. And we have no idea what voice we're supposed to be listening to. How many of you guys have ever tried to go on a diet? <laughs> And how many of you guys have talked to, this is what I do. I talk to as many people as I can about it. And every single person tells me something different. Hey, I'm telling you, don't eat any carbs. You'll lose weight. All right, cool. Hey, no, no, no. You're supposed to eat carbs. Uh, Eat one meal a day and you'll be healthy. No, no, no. You're supposed to eat six meals a day. Hey, fat's bad for you. No, no, no. Eat, go keto. It's good for you. Do that. Uh, Fast. Don't fast. Like, 
And it's all good advice, and I'm sure it works differently for different people, but I feel like I'm pulled to and fro, and I'm not really sure who am I supposed to be listening to. Do you realize that there's people that on their deathbed will feel like they've gone through the whole life blindfolded, never really knowing their purpose, never really knowing where they're supposed to go, never really knowing what they're supposed to do? You ask them, did you, you feel like you lived a fulfilled life? And they're, I don't know. I never really understood why I was alive. There's people that are in church every single Sunday that have no idea how to discern and hear the voice of God. They rely on their pastor or, or the, the TV evangelist, whoever that is, to speak to them on God's behalf. But in their own day to day, they don't really know And if we're not careful, we can be stuck in what will seem like a holding and waiting pattern forever. This series, faith, being confident of what you hope for, the assurance, the evidence of things you have not seen yet, being full. What does it look like to be full? Overflowing every aspect, every area of my life is impacted by my faith. How can I be full of faith in something that I don't really know? How can I put my trust in a God whose voice I've never heard before? How can I trust that God is speaking if I don't even know how to begin to hear him? When we read stories all throughout the Bible of these great men and women of faith, they all had one thing in common. They knew, recognized, understood, and responded to the voice of God. But Hey, it's 2021. We're living in America. We've got all kinds of voices coming at us at all times. And I don't want us to go, I say us, myself included, another day with questioning. Because here's what happens. When, when we feel like God is telling us something good, oh, yeah, that's God speaking. God said, Rachel is going to be your wife. And I said, that's God No one could tell me different. My parents are like, you're 16. I don't care. That's my wife. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Let's go. Right? 19, I'm getting married. I feel like God told me to. I had no doubt. Hey, I think you need to quit this job and do what I've called you to do. You know, God, is that you? I'm not really sure about that one. Hey, I think you need to reach out to this family member that's been on your heart for a while. You know what? That might not be you, God. That might be just me. I don't really know. When it's easy, when it's something that we like, oh yeah, we know God's voice. But when it's uncomfortable, when it's inconvenient, we're not really sure. We begin to question. But I believe with everything inside me that we can get to a place that we're sure. No matter what it looks like, no matter how much information we have, no matter how much we see, we can be sure that it is God that is speaking About 10 days ago, Pastor Andrew came to me and said, hey, man, you're preaching in 10 days. I said, thanks, man. I really appreciate you. With all the notice, I thank you so much. I just said yes, and here we are. And he asked, no, no, I'm I'm kidding around. But he asked me, hey, when you think about faith, full of faith, what what is your favorite Bible story? I said, easy, Abraham, the father of our faith. Come on. I went to Bible school when I was a kid. Father Abraham, you know what I'm talking about? Come on. So what we're going to do today is we're going to jump into the book of Genesis. So right away, I ask you to grab your Bibles. And if you are here this morning and you don't have a Bible, we want to gift you a Bible. And I love how we say it like that. This is our gift from us to you. No shame. Take a Bible. I mean, again, I know it's like the 20th century, 21st century. And uh, 
We got our Bibles on our phones. We got our Bibles on our tablets. The, the, it'll be on the screens. But I'm telling you, that there's nothing quite like having the physical word of God in your hands. Like, do you know this thing's alive? I told the students that one night, and I saw one, one kid go like this for real. He went, like, he was looking for a heartbeat. I was like, come on. And they mean for real. But it's alive. It's active. There's nothing quite like opening this book and allowing. You want to know the primary way God speaks? Right here. Right here. You don't have to turn to the next voice, the next politician, the next news station, really even the next pastor. If you're just getting your feeding from us on Sunday mornings, you're missing a whole array of things that God's trying to speak to you. It's in his word. So we're going to be in the book of Genesis today. Make it really easy. Book number one, the very first book of the Bible. We're going to be in Genesis 22, but before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about who this man Abraham is. I think a lot of us, if we've grown up in church, we, we, we're familiar with the name. We, we kind of understand him a little bit, but Abraham was a man who lived in a foreign land with a lot of pagan worship, a lot of deities, a lot of gods, and he lived there. And it said that one day the angel of the Lord came to speak to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and commanded him, Abraham, Take your family, take your possessions, and leave and go into a land that I will show you. And off the jump, Abraham acts. One thing that we'll see that's consistent with the person of Abraham is anytime God would speak to him, he would act. He would just go. He went into this land. And God had promised him, hey, if you obey me, I will bless you with a great inheritance. And then Abraham's like, yo, I think it's great that I have all these things. I have all these possessions. I have all this money. I have all this livestock. But what am I going to do with it if I don't have any kids? You see, Abraham and his wife were very old. They had no kids. And so God spoke, I'm going to give you a son. Sarah, his wife, did what a lot of us do. God speaks. He says something. And then we try to figure out how it's going to happen. Sarah was like, there ain't no chance. She's like, I'm old. I can't have a kid. So what she do? She got her maidservant, Hagar, brought him to Abraham and said, here, God said we're going to have a son. This is how we're going to do it. And Abraham, you know, they had Ishmael. Let's just all, that's all I'll say. And then later on, God was like, wait, wait, wait. That's not what I said. I'm giving you a son. In fact, you will call him Isaac. And Sarah was even like, come on, God. So that she laughed. There's no way. But really what you see in the life of Abraham is every time God would speak, he was faithful. And because, God, or because Abraham was faithful to God, God was then in turn faithful to Abraham. And because God was faithful to Abraham, Abraham would then in turn be faithful to God. And so we're going to pick up in Genesis 22 today where we're seeing Abraham is now walking in the start of the fulfillment of the promise of his descendants. God said, I will give you a lineage that will outnumber the stars, your descendants. In fact, all of us today are blessed because of his faith. The Bible says that we are all blessed because of the faith of one man. He's walking in that. He's living in the fulfillment of the promise. So let's pick up in Genesis 22. I just want to pray us in real quick before we get into this word. Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes today to what it is that you're speaking that you would not only convict us, but you would comfort us. Not only would you correct us, but you'd strengthen us. That, Father, we'd walk out of this place with a deeper understanding of who you are and who you've called us to be. Jesus, I pray that you would allow me to speak clearly and concisely in a way that makes sense. And that you alone would receive the glory. Amen. Genesis 22 
And what we're really going to see kind of throughout these few verses that we're going to hang around today is five components of faith. And again, I'm a youth pastor, okay, so this is how my brain works. If you take the word faith and you write it up and down, like an acrostic, you'll have five letters. So we're going to look at five different components of faith that we see in the life of Abraham. So if you have any way to take notes or if you have like a little section, a little margin, you want to write these down, I promise, I hope that this will help you. 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Could you imagine if God audibly spoke your name? I'm hiding under the sheets, under the bed or in the closet. I'm finding a weapon of some sort. I don't know who this is. Who are you in my house? I, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not scared of much. Spiders and maybe the voice of God. I, that's it. Like, it would be terrifying. But we don't see a man who's terrified. Abraham knew recognized and conversed with God regularly. So that first letter F, if you haven't guessed it yet, it's faith. Abraham was a man of faith. Why? Because he was able to discern the voice of God. He had confidence of who he was putting his trust in because he knew God. The first component of faith is you have to know God. You have to walk with him. Abraham, God called Yes, he replied, here I am. God is about to ask Abraham to do arguably the most radical thing that he'll ever ask anybody to do in the history of the Bible of the world. Take your son, your only son. Now, when I first read this, I was like, I turned back a page or two. Okay, did I miss something? Abraham's got two sons. Ishmael and Isaac. Why would God say, take your son, your only son, and then specify, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. God absolutely could have said, hey, take your son and go sacrifice him. If I'm Abraham, Ishmael's going. Do we have, do we, as parents, do we have a favorite kid? Oh, man. I got myself in trouble in the first service of this one. I have a favorite daughter and a favorite son. That's it. That's all I got. I got one daughter and one son. Could you imagine, though, God saying, all right. Roll the dice, pick one. One's got to go. You know what I'm doing immediately? Oh, come on, God. You're playing around. God, you joke too much. You play too much. Come on. No shot. Not a chance. Is there any way other way? There's got to be another way. Now I'm starting to have this conversation. Like, God, are you sure? And he specified, not just any son, because it would have been easy. Ishmael and Hagar, they were, they were cast out. They were gone. It would have been easy to be like, hey, go find Ishmael. I didn't like that kid anyways. Get him out of here. No, take your son, Isaac, the one whom you love, the one in whom is the fulfillment of the promise that I gave you that you would have descendants. Take him and go sacrifice him. 
What I I love about verse 3 is Abraham does the exact opposite of what I would do. The next morning, Abraham got up early. There's no recorded dialogue between verse 2 and verse 3. There's no argument. There's no conversation. There's no pleading. There's no scheming. There's no plotting. There's only obedience. God spoke and Abraham obeyed. I guarantee you he, it didn't really make sense in that moment. But all throughout his life, he has seen God to be faithful. I've obeyed him before. Why would I stop obeying him now? It says the next morning he got up early. But not, he didn't just get up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place that God had told him about. Me, I'm not chopping the wood. Because when we get there, I can be like, oh God, I'm sorry, I forgot the wood. Guess we gotta try again, try again some other time. Sorry, God. Abraham obeyed every step. See, sacrifice offerings weren't foreign to them. They knew what to do. He knew that there was things that he had to prepare for this offering. He didn't cut any corners, and he didn't question. Now, I don't know about that internal dialogue, but there was no external conversation where he was like, God, are you sure? God, what are you doing? This is crazy. He just obeyed. Verse 4, on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So not only did God speak and say, I'm going to need you to sacrifice your son, he got up right away the next day and then traveled for three days knowing the whole time what he was about to go do. I'm taking any detour and exit I can on that journey. Oh, sorry, God, I got lost. Oh, we can't do it. I'm lost. He stayed obedient every step of the way. The second component of faith is that letter A, action. The Bible tells us in the book of James that faith without good deeds or faith without good works or faith without action is dead. Now, growing up, this, I was this kid. I'm just going to admit this to you guys. I was the kid that would be in my room, and my dad or my mom would call up and say, Hey, time to do the dishes. Gotcha. Gotcha, Dad. Ten minutes go by. Hey! Yo, Dad, what's good? What about them dishes? I got you, Dad. I'll do it. Thirty minutes go by. If I call you again, I'm going to kill you. And then, then what do I do? I heard you the first time. It's one thing to hear, and it's another thing to do it. And so already I'm seeing with my four-year-old daughter, stop pushing your brother. Okay, dad. Frank hits his head. He's crying. Eh, what happened? He tripped. Oh, my gosh. Come on. I told you to stop. Okay, dad. And we think we can get away with that with God. Hey, I, I'm going to need you to do this. God, yes. On a Sunday morning, we're like, Yes. I'm fired up. I'm going to change my work for God. I'm going to witness all my neighbors. I'm going to talk to my family about Jesus. And then Monday wakes up and we got to go do it. And we're like, maybe tomorrow. Oh, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't God. Right? If we never do anything with our faith, the Bible tells us it's meaningless. Abraham had this deep revelation that he couldn't just hear God, listen to God, respond to God. He had to do something. So he got up and he made the journey with his two servants and his son. Verse five, 
Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. Smart. Because what they were about to witness would probably change their perspective on the man of Abraham. Hey, you guys stay here. We're going to go along. He says, the boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. And then we will come right back. Now, the first time I read this, I had to ask myself, did Abraham just lie? All Abraham knows is that he's going to sacrifice his son as a burnt offering. Abraham doesn't have any idea really what the outcome is going to be. He knows the promises of God. He knows that God is faithful to keep his word. He knows that God is a man that he wouldn't lie. So he said, me and my, we'll go, we're going to worship, and then we will be right back. That third letter of the word faith is I. And I think about intellect. How often do we try and scheme and plot and try to figure out the answers? What is it about us as human beings that we think that we have to have all the answers? People spend their entire lives trying to figure out the Big Bang. Did we come from monkeys? Is there life in the universe? All these things that we'll really never know the answer to. And we spend all this time pouring over books and studies. And hey, school is a good thing. I tell the students every week, if you're getting bad grades, get out of here. Go, go do your homework. I don't say it mean like that, but I'm like, hey, school's important. But they'll spend their whole lives trying to gain all of this knowledge. And I'd imagine that, let's say all of the knowledge in the world is this room. If every single person in this room put our knowledge together, we might maybe be one of the chairs in this room. The reality is there's things that we'll never know, yet we still try and try because all we want is the answers. And then we'll say stuff, we'll quote the Bible, it says, I walk by faith and not by sight. But the moment that we're faced with a decision where we have to walk by faith and not by sight, we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to scheme, we're trying to plot, we're trying to, God, what are you doing? It didn't make sense. To, if the servants knew what was about to happen, they'd be like, mm, that makes no sense. Yet, he walked with God without ever having fully the answers. Verse 6. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. Isaac begins to do inventory. Okay. We've got the fire. We've got the wood. But where's the lamb? He's doing this mental checklist. Because you see, Isaac, would be, he would grow up in the faith with Abraham. He would do offerings and sacrifices. So he knows the components that are needed. And he realizes, you know, something is missing. He says, we have the fire and the wood. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Now, again, it doesn't show any dialogue. If I'm Isaac, I'm like, when? Anytime would be good. Where? Where is it? Or is it just waiting up there? You got it tied up already, Dad? You playing a joke? Come on. Where is it? Abraham, full of faith, says, God will provide. And they keep going on their journey. Verse 9. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go... Abraham built 
an altar and arranged, arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on top, on the altar, on the top of the wood. Do you, do you think that you could make it to this point? Not a chance. Got to look my boy in the eye. Look the promise that God gave me that my lineage would carry on in the eye. That fourth letter of the word faith is T and it's trust. You know what I love about Pastor Andrew? Is he's like a walking encyclopedia sometimes. So we were talking between services and he said, do you know about the burnt offering? I was like, yeah, I think so. The burnt offering was an act of complete and total surrender. The story of Abraham and Isaac was never about Abraham killing his son. It was a test of God to see, do you completely and totally trust me? And are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to surrender everything, no matter what it costs you, no matter what it looks like? Are you willing to surrender? And you know what we do? We're barely willing to surrender our own pride to go talk to our neighbor about Jesus. We're, we're, we're not willing to, to surrender our own comfort to reach out to that family member who's been walking away from the Lord. We're not willing to surrender our own comfort to give sacrificially. He was willing to give everything. His lineage, his inheritance, he was willing in a moment to surrender it all. He trusted God completely and fully. Verse 11, at that moment. Can you just say, at that moment? moment. Touch two people and say, at that moment. How often do we never get to that moment because we've given up before we can get there. God, I wish you would save my family. I wish you would send somebody. I wish you would change my work situation. And he starts to stir inside of you the plan to make these things happen, but it becomes difficult. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. And we never get to that moment. But I'm telling you, if you can remain faithful to the things that God is calling you to, that moment will come. God is faithful. Verse 11, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And we see it again. He knows that voice. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. You can't help but wonder if there was a sigh of relief, if he was surprised. But I would dare to say he wasn't startled one bit. He was full of so much faith that he knew. And if you read in Hebrews chapter 11, when they recount the story of Abraham, it said that he knew one of two things would happen. A, that God would provide the lamb, or B, that God would bring back his son from the dead. He had so much trust and confidence in God that he knew whatever it takes, I'm willing to surrender whatever. God, you are who you say you are. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. 
The angel said, do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And the last letter of the word faith is H, which stands for hope. Now, growing up, I had a bad relationship with the word hope. And any time I heard of someone being hopeful, it sounded weak, sounded dainty, like, oh, I hope so. Are you going to have a good day? Well, I hope so. You know what the Bible teaches us about hope? Strength. It's confidence. It's the thing that will sustain you. Because see, hope built in faith isn't confidence in what I can do. But it's confidence in what he can do. See, Abraham was faced with a decision that All too often, all of us are. Are we going to place our hope in the promise or the promiser? Are we going to chase after the healing or the healer? Are we going to chase after the blessing or the one who brings the blessing? We get it flipped too often. We're pursuing seemingly good things with the wrong intentions. God is saying, pursue me and everything you need is found in me. Abraham knew that he could not pursue only after the promise, but the promiser. And because Abraham was faithful to God, God was faithful to Abraham. Because God was faithful to Abraham, Abraham would continue to be faithful to God. And the cycle would continue for the rest of his life. Not only did he trust God, but God began to trust him. Verse 13, then, ran, then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You want to know what's crazy about this mountain that they were standing on? Mount Moriah? Mount Moriah and Golgotha are one and the same. You know where Jesus was crucified? Golgotha. On the mountain of the Lord, God will provide. In Abraham's situation, he spared the life of his son by offering a ram in his place. In our situation, he offered his son in our place. Our God is faithful. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what it sounds like, he is faithful to his word. So we got to have faith. We got to know who it is that we're communicating with. There has to be action. We can't just sit back and be like, okay, God, that sounds great. We gotta do something with it. Intellect, whether it makes sense or not, whether we have the answers or not, we gotta know that God is the one with the answers. I don't need the answers, I just need him. Trust. Do you trust him enough to surrender? Whatever it is, it's different for all of us. And hope will be the thing that sustains you all the way. Now, my generation, we enjoy memes. And a couple years ago, there's a meme going around about essentially the conversation that would happen on the way back down from the mountain where Isaac looks at his dad like, 
really? Like, Dad, did you know that there was going to be a ram up here? And I would imagine that the next time, hey, Isaac, we got to go. Nope, you can go. I ain't going with you anymore. No way. But we never see this conversation take place. And I would dare to say that it never did. Because not only was Abraham faithful, so was Isaac. Why? Because I can guarantee you that all throughout Isaac's childhood, Abraham took him back and reminded him of all the times that God had been faithful. Abraham took him back and reminded him and told him about the time that God had called him out of a land to go into a place where he'll give him an inheritance. He had told him about the time that he was going to bless them with him. He told him about the time that God came and specifically said, you're going to have a son named Isaac. He told him about all the times that God was faithful. So not only was Abraham faithful, now his son was faithful with complete trust and hope in God. Yeah, he trusted his dad. It takes a lot of trust to let your dad bind you up, okay? All right. I want to be careful when I say this because I know that this can be a little sensitive, but oftentimes I hear parents wondering why their kids aren't serving the Lord or they've grown up and they've walked away from God. I'm definitely not saying that I had all the answers, but how often do you sit down with your kids and remind them of the faithfulness of God? How often do you sit around the dinner table and hey, let me let me tell you about that time that we didn't know we were gonna eat, if we were gonna be able to eat tomorrow, and and someone showed up with a fifty dollar bill and said, Hey, I, I don't know, but I feel like God wants me to give this to you. Hey, let me let me tell you about the time when we were about to have to choose between paying our car payment and, and our mortgage payment. And God came through. Hey, let me let me let me tell you about the time. Hey Frank, let me let me tell you about the time that I was in Omaha, Nebraska, trying to figure out what it is that God had for my, my life. And I was trying to force my way into something that God really wasn't in, yet God still used that. And I ended up at Reach Church. Let me, let me tell you about the time that your mom and I were on the brink of divorce and because of God's faithfulness and your mom's loyalty, we've made it today. But here's what we do. We either we don't have time or we spend too much time complaining about the chaos that's going on in our world today. And then we look to the youth pastor or the children's pastor or the children's director. Hey, my kid's messed up. Can you help? And I'm like, I can partner with you. Let it never be lost on us that as parents, we're called to be the spiritual leader of our kids. Let it never be lost on us that it's not the youth pastor's job I get them for maybe two, three hours a week and I'll do everything I can to partner with you and get, create an environment where they can hear about God and feel the love of God and, and encounter his presence. But how can I come alongside you and help you be the spiritual leader in your own home? Isaac was faithful for the whole of his life because of his dad's faithfulness. Austin team, if you guys wanna come hang out, I'm gonna wrap us up here. There's never a moment that God has forsaken any one of us. And in the midst of the storm, it can feel like 
It can maybe look like, God, where are you? But I promise you, if you can look back, you can see God's hand through it all. Some of us are dealing with extreme situations right now. And I'm not downplaying one bit the reality and the severity of life, but I also can stand here confidently and sincerely knowing that God is still faithful through it all. And because God is faithful, the question to you today is, will you be faithful to him? And I can assure you that if you're faithful to him, he'll continue to be faithful to you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word. Father, I pray as we begin to just investigate what what does that look like in our life? What are the things that you've been calling us to that maybe we've been sitting back and, and waiting and wondering and pondering? What are the things that you're asking us to do, God? Maybe it is we need to be more intentional with our, with our kids or our family members, remembering your goodness and your faithfulness. Father, I pray that you be near to us in this season as we grow in our faith. Over this next year, God, as we really dive into what does it look like to be a person that's full of faith where every facet and every area of our life is impacted by that, our workplace, our home, our relationships. God, I thank you for who you are and for your word. Jesus, we love you. Amen.